Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Days. And this is a special Marking Out the Days. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and joined this week with me is, as always, the other half of the Retrosexuals and the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, Dave Rosenbluth. What's happening, man? It's finally here. We have launched the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. All the hype, mm-hmm. and now we're here. This is pretty cool. Um, I'm, 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 I'm really excited and thrilled to to, uh, to get things going with this weekend, WrestleMania weekend. Big things happening for Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yes, indeed, it's a packed and stacked weekend. Uh, with content on our network here at Podbean. I hope everybody found it well, and uh, I put a piece of audio on the old feed, so you can kind of just go look for us on Podbean, and that's where we'll be for here on out. Um, And like you said, a lot of content, a lot of wrestling going on. This is one of my favorite times of the year. I love Royal Rumble season all the way to the road to WrestleMania, one of the best times of the year for me. How about you, Dave? Oh, oh yeah, no, it's a very exciting time. I mean... um you know, if you're not a WWE fan uh, per se, um, there's still a lot of wrestling going on this weekend. So yes. there's so much to so much to, to, to consume and watch, um, and it's it's certainly uh, it's, it's certainly a lot of fun just being a part of it as a fan. Like I've been to a few WrestleManias, um, and though you get caught up in the weekend, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool to to be a part of. Yes, indeed. And speaking of you being to a few WrestleManias, why don't you run us down what's going on with kicking out at two this week, last week, and next week? Or last week, well, la- this week, and next week, if I want to be oh, Last week... Yeah, last week we uh, we we dropped our uh, our part two of our WrestleMania MVPs covering WrestleManias eighteen to thirty four, um, which you can find over in the archives at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean, as well as on our social media, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two K I C K N O U T and the number two. Um, you can also find this week's show over on our social media and over on Podbean uh, with our Mania Weekend Reflections. Uh, I sat down with my brothers Justin and Daryl along with my old tag team partner from my days on the Ken Reedy show, Mr. Ken Reedy himself. And we, we just talked about our memories attending various WrestleManias over the years, some of the happenings that took place during the weekends with Hall of Fame and fan access and you know interactions we had with other fans, meeting people. There's some pretty fun stories, so you can check that out over at facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two our handle on twitter at kicking out two as well as over on podbean under the retromania pro wrestling podcast network and next week next week's show is going to be fun because next week we're going to have a special watch party it's going to be a, a nitro watch party a Ooh. wcw monday nitro watch party as daryl and i sat down recently and we watched uh, one of the most infamous reboots in all of professional wrestling history and not in a good way you know usually the night after wrestlemania monday night raw on the wwe they they do a reboot of their storylines mm-hmm. and it's like a new season well on this episode of nitro they did a reboot you know not only behind the camera but you know uh, or behind the curtain, but also in front of the camera as well. As this episode is uh, from April the 10th, 2000, the night that Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo began working together creatively behind the scenes, and they 
began the whole Millionaire's Club versus New Blood storyline. So we watched that Nitro from beginning to end, and we talk about all the happenings that took place in WCW during that time period. So that's what you can find next week over at Podbean, as well as Facebook and our Twitter, at Kicking Out 2. Yes, indeed. That's always fun over there. And I got to tell you, uh, I've been listening to your back archives since I've been uh, uploading on to the Podbean and everything, and I absolutely love the show and the way you've grown along the year. Um, just got to put that out there, trying to give you well, the right I appreciate right that, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you for putting me over. That's, that's, that, <laughs> so that's everybody, cool. please go check out those episodes. He's got a lot of uh, different themes for each one, and uh, eventually you get a rhythm for um, which type of theme you're going with. Um, it's nice. You got you kind you kind of got your trademarks, the trading places, and then the watch alongs, and then the uh, no filter Nikki. Uh, it's nice. Yeah, no filter Nikki. It's been a while. She's uh, she she she's you know she she's a special attraction. Like you know <laughs> like like Andre the Giant was a special attraction in the territory wrestling days. My wife, no filter Nikki, is a special attraction on kicking out it too. We, we actually I just had a discussion with her recently about doing another one, and uh, she said she 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 said she might be on board. I gotta. She didn't say you know, slam the, me, the boss. Be right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said the pay's got to be right if I cover the airfare there and the trans go. and and the hotel there and the go. and the, the there's plenty of zeros at the end of that check then maybe she'll uh, she'll, she'll she'll make an appearance. I got to meet the booking fee. So, uh, you know, but one day and for those of you that are unaware, Nikki is my wife and there is a episode of ECW Television uh, which I entitled The No Filter Theater where I basically watched an episode of ECW TV with my wife and you know, kind of tried to give the listeners the experience of um Wrestling fans watching wrestling with non-wrestling fans and trying to explain that to them because I'm sure that all of you out there that are listening, as well as Kobe and myself, we've all sat in a room, we've watched wrestling with someone who's never watched it before, and we've tried to explain it. My wife's watched wrestling because of me, and she even watched it before she met me, but she never really got exposed to ECW, so I wanted to kind of get her raw um, reactions and emotions from watching wrestling. and, you know, something as raw and emotional as an ECW show. So you could find that over in the archives over at Podbean, as well as uh, Facebook and Twitter, yes. both of our social medias. Yep. And uh, as well as the back archive from Retromania, that's the origin of attitude. Um, plenty of bonus shows with guests coming along, talking about their favorite or not so favorite. Then Hulkamania is dead. And speaking of Hulkamania is dead, it's about the drop on Monday, everybody, a special Monday. So Ooh. after you've uh, gotten your WrestleMania hangover, you can fantasize with us WrestleMania 7, the fantasy booked uh, storyline that we've done from 1984, uh, Jimmy and I. And this is going to be a this is going to be a good one. It's Sting against Ric Flair for the title. Sting yeah. versus Ric Flair at a WrestleMania? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds interesting. Not a Starcade, not a Great American right. Bash, not a Halloween and, Havoc, and, but a WrestleMania. And in our like storyline, Sting has never been to NWA. Also, Sting's, Sting is a WWF creation? Yes. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got to keep up more with, with, with Hulkamania's dead. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, I, it's, I a, it's, it's fun. You know, it, it, it's about an hour each episode so you know we kind of keep it short and sweet and then uh kind of make it interesting as well and we stay yep. stay inside some guidelines but then we make it wacky you know so yeah. uh, it's a fun listen 
but everything there is on the archive. And uh, speaking of archive, we're going to be loading up new shows to the archive here soon. We're going to have a new show with Cool Down with AC. Isn't that right, Dave? Yeah, cool down with AC. My good buddy Tony, he's going to be bringing some uh, some Ring of Honor flavor to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. He's a big Ring of Honor guy. Uh, he travels to a lot of local independent shows in the Connecticut and Massachusetts area, uh, some parts of New York as well. Big wrestling fan, um, knows his stuff, and he's gonna he's gonna give you guys some of that Ring of Honor, um, you know, the, like I said, Ring of Honor flavor to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm being redundant, and I really don't want to be, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, AC's gonna AC's gonna uh, you know he, he he's gonna do it up for you guys. He's gonna do it pretty well. So uh, stay tuned for that. As a matter of fact, I believe if I am not mistaken, if the schedule is correct, Saturday. Um, Saturday, AC is making his debut here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, but with you under the Gaijin Wrestling Radio banner. Yes, indeed. Tell us a little bit about that. We're going to be running down the events of NXT TakeOver. So AC is also going to be covering NXT with ROH, uh, you know, taking a load off there for me. I'll be doing the Gaijin stuff with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then we'll be collabing on their uh, their collab shows, as to, uh, you know, to say. Um, so yeah, we're going to do a little rundown of the show from NXT takeover. We're going to do a little preview and review, uh, or a preview, if you will, of the G1 Supercard. That's going to be an interesting show. That's April 6th. Everybody, um, going to be an interesting one there. First time new Japan has come to Madison square garden. Wow. Wow, WrestleMania is in New yeah. Jersey. So this is a big wrestling weekend, like we're talking about. So all that content here on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Stay tuned. And don't we have another show appearing sometime this week? Yes, we do, as a matter of fact. Uh, Friday, April the 5th, uh, Kobe and I are going to be bringing you our res- our dueling WrestleMania Top 10 Countdown. Kobe's got a list of his 10 favorite WrestleManias. I got a list of my t- 10 favorite WrestleManias. We go down from 10 all the way to 1, and we compare and contrast and see who made the cut. And the fun doesn't end with Kobe and I there as well, because uh, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, rain is falling. Um <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't rain for those that are attending right. WrestleMania yeah. in New Jersey. But um, I'm hearing in the Northeast it's supposed to, the weather's supposed to be pretty decent for WrestleMania. Unlike the last time WrestleMania was in, in Jersey, it was it was I was at that one. It was cold. I oh I hated mm. it, um, and the show sucked. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, and I call them like I see them. Normally, I defend a lot of WWE stuff, but that show sucked. Yeah. Um, I don't even like watching it back. Like, that's how bad it was. But anyhow, um, Sunday morning, um, Kobe and I are going to be reviewing, giving you guys a recap of the 2019 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony that takes place Saturday evening, April the sixth i believe and then kobe and i are also going to be previewing some of the matches from wrestlemania because we are not going to cover the eight and a half hour long show um because by the time we get done previewing all 79 matches of wrestlemania um it'll probably be time for wrestlemania 36 yeah dude (laughs) did you know that there's actually 100 there's slated to be 100 performers on wrestlemania's card yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah, that's that's wild. That that's wild. Is ridiculous. I mean, I, you know what? 
I get they're trying to make everybody happy, you know, and, and they're, you know, uh, giving everyone a spot in the card. But, like, they could have taken away, like, four or five of those matches and put those guys in the battle royal. You know what I mean? There's got to be something said in, in many ways for, for guys that are in a spot overload. in there's, there's great guys that don't even have matches set. John Cena. Oh, Kevin yeah. Owens. There's still, yeah. I mean, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah. Who knows if Undertaker's going to be there at, the, at this time? It's say, it's slated that he's not going to be there, but come on, it's WrestleMania. I highly doubt that Undertaker is not going to have some appearance it's his on this yard. show. Even you if think it's that just, dog's going to forget the scent of that yard? No, exactly. Like the, everyone's going to hear the gong. He's going to come out. He's going to do his entrance. Who knows if he's just going to you know show up and 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 issue a challenge, or if he's not even going to have a match. He's going to do a run in. Uh, who knows? But Undertaker's going to be there, so everyone needs to just chill out and you know not get their you know their 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 shorts in a knot. Um, yeah. So we'll preview WrestleMania a little bit and recap the Hall of Fame, and then over on kicking out at two, uh, I'm going to give uh, you guys some bonus content as uh, we're going to have a special watch party. Justin and I watched WrestleMania 25's Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels Classic. Mm. Speaking of Undertaker, we're just discussing him. Uh, so, you know, make sure you guys... Uh, you know, turn down the sound and indulge yourselves in the alternate commentary of us Rosenbluth boys as we give you two alternate perspectives of this match. Justin was there in 2009 to witness this classic in person in Houston. Very I cool. was at home watching it. So you'll get to hear the stories between the two of us as we discuss um, what I like to call not only my favorite wrestling match of all time, not only the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, but the greatest wrestling match in wrestling history, bar none. Awesome. So check Very that cool. out Sunday morning. It's probably going to drop early Sunday morning. Um, you know, if you guys are getting your house ready for a big WrestleMania party and you want something to listen to and watch at the same time, put on your WWE network, find Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, and then tune into kicking out at two. You're going to have a blast. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome, Dave. Well, uh, you ready to get into this special day of marking out the days? Ready to mark it out? Get yes, your Sharpies right. out? Yes, that's right. The, the, the bus has departed. Um, you got everyone, hopefully, you have your calendars, get your Sharpie. You cross off the date. It's a special date. There's only one date we're covering. That's April the 4th, 1993. And where are we going? We are going. Las Vegas, baby. Yeah. Viva Las Vegas. Caesar's Palace. Wrestle Mania 9. Hmm. Or as I'd like to call the, I'd like to, you know, if we're going to give this show an official title, a special edition of Marking Out the Days, we should call this Defending WrestleMania 9, because I feel like we're going to be doing a lot of that. I think um, so, too. When it comes to things on this card. Um, we might not have a podcast after this, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're, I feel like we're going to do a lot of defending of the show, which is fine by me, because I've done it before. So, um, you know. Let's have at it, man. WrestleMania 9, April 4th, 1993, Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. Let's do it, man. The biggest stars in the world are coming to Las Vegas. And they started previewing this. They showed uh, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Yokozuna, flashes of Ric Flair, too, uh, before he left. Uh, but things would change, as we know. Uh, this is one of the first, this was the first WrestleMania held outdoors, right? Yes, yes, this was the very not the very first wrestling show that WWF did outdoors, no. but um, this is the very first WrestleMania outdoors, and this is a big part of why I like this show so much because I am a huge mark for outdoor 
wrestling stadium shows. Same I here. just love the way it looks and the presentation, and it just brings something different to it. And I, I just I love them. I love them. I can't say enough. I can't say enough good about how I how I feel about wrestling outdoors. Yeah, I, um, I went to a a WWF show in about two thousand three, and it was at the Frederick Keys Baseball Stadium. It was very cool. Loved really? It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's awesome. Very cool vibe. Um, you know, it started out in the daytime and then the nighttime came and then the bigger matches. It was cool. It's cool. Very, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the one thing about outdoor shows and, uh, you know, especially like you said, starts in the daytime, goes in the nighttime. It's, it reminds you of like, and I've talked about this on my show and other shows before. Um, you know, the, the, when you watch a Super Bowl, for instance, let's say there's a Super Bowl that takes place on the West Coast and the game starts and it's beautiful. It's sunny out. Local time is probably three o'clock in the afternoon. OK, usually here on the East Coast, Super Bowl airs around six, six, twenty two p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the majority of the game is played in the daylight. Mm-hmm. And then you have halftime, you get the halftime show. And then the fourth quarter rolls around, and that's when, you know, the, the, the sun sets and the stars are out and the lights, as JBL would say, the lights on bright, Michael. <laughs> and, you, and then that's where, like, the nitty-gritty of, you know, the, 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 the game yeah. takes place. Vintage the, the, the big sunset. Moments. Yeah, <laughs> it's Michael Cole. And the, WrestleMania 31 had that kind of a feeling, um, oh, especially yeah. being out in California, which is one of my favorite WrestleManias of all time. Which I'm sure is going to be a part of our top ten countdown discussion, Definitely. which will drop tomorrow. Definitely. over at Podbean, WrestleMania top ten. Uh, but and a, a cheap yeah, plug for me, be- cheap plug for me. Sorry, yeah. the uh, we did no, go for Jimmy and I did cover on one of our bonus episodes um, shows that we have been to. So that was, I go down the card. I saw Brock Lesnar, RVD, Booker T. It was an outside event. It was very cool. Um, so check that out. Well, Brock Lesnar worked a house show? Yeah. Well, this was live event 2003. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is before he took his ball and went home. I forgot. Yep. So this is Silly uh, me. peak Brock Lesnar. Um, cool, so, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cheap plug there, but definitely uh, outside events just make it. And this is one of those, uh, this is one of those for me. Even though the the end, it wasn't necessarily that dark, was it? It was. It, no, it, no, it was. It, no, it certainly wasn't. It was probably local time there. It was probably like, I'd say like five, six o'clock, mm-hmm. or maybe even close to seven o'clock. Um, local, locally in Vegas at that time. I don't know what the start time was for WrestleMania Nine that year. Um, I want to say it was an afternoon show. Seems um, like it locally. He, here on the east coast but um yeah no the end it wasn't very um it was still it was still you know pretty light out uh, at the at the at the closing moments of that show yes so there's about 16,890 people here uh it's a good turnout i would say um of course we are used to staggering numbers for wrestlemania but this is a lull in the business as they would say the dark days of the 90s um yeah uh, it's kind of like hogan's out the door he hadn't really appeared on television since april um and as we know he would be gone um come next april so yes 
Yes. Um, what's interesting about uh, the attendance that you had mentioned, um, you know, that that piece of land where um, they held that um, that event, it was like a makeshift arena. They like put bleachers in and, they, you know, it wasn't like a, a like a little stadium. You so know, it was kind of like, like the precursor to 24. WrestleMania 24, um, where they built the yeah, very much so, yeah. Because well, I mean, with the ex- WrestleMania 24, there was a you know in Orlando there was a stadium, um, and there was a there was a physical structure. That piece of property on Caesars, that they were just like like uh, uh, movable bleachers. Wow. Um, so there was it wasn't like a physical structure. Like you could move all of that. It was like an empty piece of land that you could you could move those bleachers. Um, they would hold some outdoor boxing events. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Kobe, but um, I think it was not too long after this WrestleMania. They held a boxing event with um, Sugar Ray Leonard. I want to say Razor Ruddock and Riddick Bowe and the guy that parasailed um, mm. into the ring in the middle of the boxing fight and got his ass kicked. <laughs> no, I don't I, know if you remember. I, 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 vaguely, yeah. vaguely. I remember Riddick okay. Bowe. Okay, this was in. Yeah, Riddick Bowe. I think it was Riddick Bowe and Razor Ruddock, and they had a heavyweight title fight on pay-per-view and there was a guy that had um was parasailing or parachuting out of a plane or something i don't know and he managed to land in the ring and it caused this huge disturbance i don't remember if the fight was resumed after they carted the guy out but it, it made the it made the headlines on sports center they didn't even give a shit about the fight they talked about the guy that came in the came in the ring from the sky yeah but yeah so this was just an open piece of land that they would use um, from time to time and have like movable bleachers. So they didn't really have per se an arena um, at Caesars on the resort. Yeah. So this is a uh, very innovative for them to do this at the time, 1993 um, thinking, you know, grand scale, they even have like the, the roof kind of tapered off too to have lights around it. So they're they're they know what they're doing for TV to make it look good. It's not going to be some uh, NWA uh, WCCW outside show that looks like crap. Yeah, the, yeah, with, with a ring in the middle of a football field or a baseball field with only like three rows filled and the rest of the field still open. No, yeah, they made they they made it. You know. They, they made it look good and presentable, um, and especially with the Roman Coliseum theme. Yeah. Um, being, you know, Caesars and out in Vegas and um, dressing it up. That was another big thing that I really liked about this WrestleMania was that they added a theme to it and everyone got dressed up in togas. People st- still think it's silly, but I thought it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it fe- like I remember as a kid watching it, I felt like. You know, oh, that would be pretty cool to go to one of those. Like, it was, like it just looked like a big party yeah. that you would have fun at. You know what I mean? Like a costume party, and incorporating that into WrestleMania, the color scheme with the gold and the purple and the black, and you know all those like majestic colors that were that were you know incorporated into the into the appearance and the design and the presentation of WrestleMania. I just I, I, I was fascinated by it. Me too. And as a kid, I, I, I always loved this one uh, just for the pageantry of it. Um, the togas, everybody coming out, you know, the way that they had Cleopatra on the on the elephant wrapped up. Um, they have all these bodybuilders, which I'm sure Vince was 
just you know jerking off about every five seconds it could. Um, <laughs> God, God damn! Look, look at him. Vascularity, yeah. pal. Oh my God! I'm gonna push this guy. There What's your name? He's got chocolate titties. Look at him. <laughs> right. So hey, pal. They have, they have all these guys carrying out our commentators and our hosts. And Bobby the Brain Heenan does it perfect on the camel, man. This is classic stuff here for his like, yeah, last Yeah, he had the best run. entrance. Yeah, he had the best entrance. He made it, he made it so much fun. Um, you know, Savage had all the girls, the Vestal Virgins, and Heenan comes out backwards on a camel. It was, it was, it was, it was classic stuff. Mm-hmm. And Savage is uh, recently single here too. Him and Elizabeth had divorced late 1992. Yes, and I have an interesting story to tell you regarding Savage and Hogan from this event that we'll get into later. I'm glad you kind of brought that up, but Very cool. continue. Yeah, this event also known as the world's largest toga party. Thanks. Yeah, with uh Jim Ross, uh-huh. who uh, just recently signed with All Elite Wrestling. Um how ironic that we're doing this show and uh, he a just day removed comes on from here. his official yeah. Yeah, and he's it's his debut in the WWF, um, coming over from uh, uh, WCW. What if Vince uh, was, was like, man, added- I really like the uh, the grapevine around your head. Why don't you keep that, pal? <laughs> <laughs> he changed it up. Yeah. <laughs> Find out in the yeah, alternate right. storyline of Hulkamania's dead. Oh, shit. Here we go. Because we'll be going to WrestleMania All right, 9. G- All right. But yeah. All right. Let's, let's oh, continue. Oh, I like that. Um, so Howard Still Finkel, the Roman theme. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, okay, All right. I'll have to negotiate with my my partner, Jimmy. So all right, it's yeah, it's a, put in a good word for Jimmy yeah. for, for for me. All right, all right, I will. <laughs> so we also have Fink's, Finkus Maximus, Howard Finkel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard Finkel looked like the uh, the 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 guy from the Little Caesars Pizza commercial. Yeah. So they're getting everybody set up. We were supposed to have a match of Bam Bam Bigelow and Kamala. That was actually canceled. So uh, due to time constraints. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, because they um, they previewed it on the uh, the March to WrestleMania show, which we covered last week um, on marking out the days uh, that Kamala was going to be wrestling Bam Bam. Yeah. And. Did, now, what was the what was the excuse on television? Um, did they did they say? I am not sure. I don't think they even. Okay. I don't. I don't think they even covered it. Uh, maybe they. Really? Maybe they did it later on a you know a main event like how they did with the WrestleMania ten tag team match because uh, I certainly didn't mm-hmm. see anything on this programming. We even had a dark match: Tito Santana defeating Papa Shango before everybody was introduced. That's right. So uh, that's right. I guess the time constraints for. I don't know what reason, because there is only one match on this card that goes close to 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that that's interesting. But, um, yeah, who knows? I mean, who knows what, what kind of deal they had with the cable and pay-per-view providers and how much time they had. It was so, the entrances, you know. the length. Yeah, I'm sure. Probably. I'm sure that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have that dark match and then, uh, everybody's introduced and then what do we have here? The first match on the card. It's yes. The, the intercontinental championship, Shawn Michaels defending his intercontinental championship against the undefeated native American Tatanka. Mm -hmm. And this one I, I liked, there were some clunky moments with Tatanka 
and you can see Sean getting frustrated, but still a great match. And Sean is one that uh, has opened the WrestleMania card in the past, right? Yeah, this would this was Sean's third match um, in three years at WrestleMania, um, where he had opened the show. WrestleMania seven uh, as a member of the Rockers against Hakum Barbarian. WrestleMania eight against El Matador Tito Santana, and then WrestleMania nine against Tatanka for the Intercontinental Title. So he he pulled a, a three peat when it came to opening WrestleMania. Um, as far as the match goes, I thought it was good, but I thought it went a little too long. Yeah, this was eighteen thirteen. Um, I'm sorry, there's two matches that go close to 20 and i thought at times it was slower than i would have liked it to be mm-hmm. but you know um originally this wasn't supposed to be Shawn michaels and tatanka originally this was supposed to be Shawn michaels and marty Jannetty. yeah um for the intercontinental championship and unfortunately marty Jannetty got fired hence why we um, get sensational falling asleep sharing. in the locker room yeah sorry correct yeah, correct. Um, Sherry, uh, who made an appearance at the beginning of this match into Tonka's corner, um, originally was kind of, you know, valeting for Marty on a short-term basis because of his rivalry with Sean. But that ended after the Royal Rumble. Yeah, after he was caught sleeping, quote-unquote, or drunk, or whatever yeah. the story is. Ray Stevens. Yeah. Ray Stevens stooged him off. Yeah, so... Um that's interesting there, though. They had to switch it up. But Tatanka, um, he, he, he beats Shawn Michaels by countout. So he keeps his streak alive. Shawn Michaels bolts it out of there, saying he's still the champion. And then Luna beats the hell out of Sherry on the outside. This is vicious. Yeah. This was yeah, rough. She, 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 uh, yeah, she put, she put a good whoop into her. And I'm kind of curious. Um you know, the, the Luna Sherry stuff seemed very short lived after WrestleMania. I'm wondering, you know, it's 1993. Um, I'm wondering if they were thinking about bringing back the women's championship and doing a full launch of the women's division with those two, because we would soon um, get it. Yeah. With a lunger blaze, I believe mm-hmm. within um, the next year. But I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, cause I felt like the Sherry Luna stuff just, uh, it screamed wrestling it was, match, you know, right? It, yeah, but it was also a really good fight, too, and good brawls mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of curious if, like, they, they had thoughts of, like, spearheading any kind of women's, um, you know, women's division launch with the two of them. Possibly. Um, that'd be a good question to ask your buddy Bruce. Um, <laughs> but, I wish he was my good buddy, but anyhow. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's interesting that you bring that up because she does a vicious clothesline suplex to her. It's all wrestling moves, and then a little bit of brawling, and then we see some upskirt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> that could have been cool—a women's title match. I mean, Sherry was a former women's champion. Same with Luna in their respective rights. Yep. So yeah, they they had the credentials to get it done. Yeah, all right. Uh, moving on with the card. Let's go to... We have... Um, we, we, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. You go first. Okay, we you have, go first, my man. <clears throat> we have the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, defeating the head shrinkers, Fatu and Samu with Afa in 1422. This one was great, in my opinion. I like this tag match. Um 
it was slow at 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 certain times, but uh, the moves that Rick and Scott were pulling out were phenomenal for WWF time, nineteen ninety three. They're bringing all the hard hitting moves. I mean, we get the head shrinkers going for like a doomsday device, and Rick just catches uh, Fatu, I believe, and spins backwards and into a body slam it was off, like a- off the guy's shoulders. Yeah, Jesus Christ! It was like a midair belly to belly suplex or something yeah. like that. And I've seen yeah. him do this that around this time, nineteen ninety two, ninety three, when they're in New Japan as well. So they have some they have some great moves like that. Uh, one in New Japan, he kind of falls right on his head, and it looks nasty, but he still keeps going. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we finish it off with uh, the Frankenstein'er and everything, and uh, yeah, I like this one. What do you think? I thought this was the best match on the whole show. Okay. I really did. Um, the action was pretty fast-paced from beginning to end. Um, I'm a big Steiner Brothers guy. They're in my fav- They're in my top five of tag teams, my favorite tag teams of all time. Um, I thought the, the combination with them and the Head Shrinkers worked really well together. Um, Head Shrinkers, you know, very physical tag team. Steiner's very physical. Steiner's have always been good in situations working with teams that are very, very physical. Um, they both complemented each other. Um, I, I can't say nothing good, nothing bad about this match. It was, like I said, best match on the show. Agreed, agreed. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is awesome, man. I just love this one. Definitely recommend watching this one. This is peak Steiner Brothers time. Um, all right, moving on with the card. We kept going backstage for interviews um, throughout the beginning where they showed the Caesar statue. And this time it's painted yep. with Doink's face paint. So he did a little graffiti. And uh, <laughs> Doink the Clown goes against Crush. Crush, who is over like Rover at this time. Yeah. Um, okay, match. I mean, I like the storyline going into it, how he used, like, the, the cast, the fake arm to, like, knock him out and give him the concussion. And would um, play a part in the match later. Yes. Yes, it would, because... Um, you know, it was it was a solid match. Um, Crush is not, you know, the, uh, the the most technically sound wrestler, but, you know, Matt Bourne worked to his strengths. And uh, Matt Bourne, who played Doink, by the way, worked to his strengths. And he had a, like I said, solid in-ring match, but nothing special. The finish is probably what's most memorable um, when Crush has Doink in that, like, that head vice grip submission. I don't even know what he called it at the time. And another Doink showed up. Um, and hit him in the back of the head with that cast, that fake arm. Yep. And we saw two doinks. Um, that was pretty cool. The visual of seeing them, you know, the mirror face spot, to face. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I like that. Um, yeah. So it was all right, but it wasn't, it wasn't as terrible as, as people make it out to be. No. Um, uh, eight twenty-eight, and then referee Harvey Whippleman, who's still a referee at the time, right? Uh, no, no, but he comes down. No, that you're thinking that's Bill Alfonso. I'm sorry, Bill Alfonso. Wow, I got it. Well, both crackheads. So, anyhow, <laughs> Bill Al- <coughs> Bill Alfonso is running down, and don't they re- don't they try to get them to reverse the decision or tell them about the two doinks? But uh, 
Yeah, he came in. He's like, there's another doink under the ring. And they lift the thing up. And, yeah. um, you know, the other referee is like, I can't see the other doink. And Bobby Heenan on commentary is like, it's Vegas. It was David Copperfield. Right. Right. Um, you know, he he, he, he he pulled off his greatest illusion. And, uh, yeah, so obviously there wasn't another doink underneath the ring. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but. So uh, before the next match, we go to Todd Pettengale, who is in a backwards ball cap with his gold grape leaves over. So he's styling 93 style. Uh Oh, yeah. He's talking to the crowd here. Interesting note, he talks to a Japanese fan with a huge camera. A Japanese fan with a huge camera who's here for Yokozuna. Um, which would <laughs> that's play, not stereotypical but, at all. But which would play a part in next month's uh, or the following June's pay-per-view. Uh, King, King of the, the Ring. Ring. Yep. Correct. So I, right. I like a little creative thinking there and foreshadowing. Yeah. So. Yokozuna number one. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, so the next yeah. match is supposed to be a wrestlers wrestlers match, or the bad guy against the wrestlers wrestler, Bob Backlund against Razor Ramon. Bob Backlund gets cradled by Razor Ramon, gets beat with a wrestling move. Three minutes and forty five seconds. Not too much to see here. Razor does the best he can with Bob. What was interesting about? Well, there was nothing interesting about this match. <laughs> Um, it was, it, I mean, it was short, yeah. but these guys, it was just thrown together. Like, these guys didn't have any. Not necessarily bad. Know. Yeah. No, it wasn't bad, but like there was no emotional investment in it mm-hmm. as a fan. Like, um, or in Razor, you could Razor see. Razor came. I'm sorry. You could Razor just see came him off like of not a, caring, you know, he, he just kind of seemed like. A, yeah. Yeah. And Razor came off that great title match with Brett at the 93 Rumble, and they didn't have anything better for him than, than, I mean, no disrespect to Bob Backlund, but, like, in 1993, I remember thinking of Bob Backlund as, like, oh, he's that old guy from before I started watching. Same here. Um, You know, what's he doing here, you know? And it's it's, kind of thing. It's strange that he would be. I just thought it was out of place. Yeah, agreed. And it's strange that he would be going against Razor. But it kind of makes sense because later he would get a build towards Brett and the championship. Um, it was like yeah. they were they were doing these guys um, trying to see who was number one contender. But Razor got the best of him here. So yeah, yeah, it didn't take long, but he got the best of him. And uh, you know, I, I guess in a way, like you can, uh, if you if you want to try and rationalize it, Backlund's experience and his credibility. Um, going up against Razor certainly helped Razor, especially, you know, this being WrestleMania. So, yeah, it is what it is, but it wasn't like terrible. Yeah. And like you said, this was the time that he beat Brett. This could have been the next push or the next step for Razor in this year. And as we know, 1994 and this following year, because they didn't give him the title and just kept pushing him towards that intercontinental title as a big face, he was just over and over, man. I I still think there was something missing there with him not getting that title run. Oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. He's like one of the like he's in that that very small class of guys who were, you know, never, you know, the world champion, but were unbelievably gifted and talented in the ring. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on. Let's go to a gifted and talented match. It's the tag team match. 
they are previewing what happened between Money Inc., that's Erwin R. Scheister and Ted DiBiase, the tag team champions, going up against the Mega Maniacs, Brutus Beefcake, and Hulk Hogan, brother, dude, with Jimmy Hart. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they kind of give us a little preview of Money Inc. attacking Brutai Brother. And Brutai Brother had been in a parasailing accident, so that's why he's wearing a mask during this event. But Hogan gets banged up. You want to tell us about this story? Uh, well, actually, this is a different story compared to the story I'm going to tell you later okay. regarding Hogan Savage. The The urban legend out there is that and this is according to um, Matt Bourne actually revealed this in a shoot interview that Savage punched Hogan and broke his orbital socket um, and busted his eye up pretty good because he found out that Hogan was hiding Miss Elizabeth with the new guy that she was seeing. Um, and Savage apparently, you know, was pissed and he punched Hogan and this was according to Matt Bourne this took place the night before Wrestlemania he claims that this came from Savage's mouth wow. um, per, you know personally to him um, this this subject was brought up on uh, the something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard podcast and Conrad basically straight out asked Bruce did Savage punch Hogan and he was like no wow. he goes as far as I know he had a parasailing accident um, no he had Randy's a jet ski business. accident or jet ski, I'm sorry, Brutus had the parasailing yeah, my These guys are in the water and the wind You know, you never know, brother dude I was driving the jet ski, yeah. he was parasailing We both yeah. wrecked And Jimmy Hart, he was on the little boogie board With the swimmies on his arms, brother It was actually his <laughs> megaphone that hit me Bounced off, hit brother Brutai yeah. uh, Jimmy, dude Yeah yeah. And all I could see was Brother Brutai's His shears were floating in the water And I couldn't find him anywhere But I was hanging and banging for 40 nights, dude At my t-shirt shop, Hogan's Beach Shop Over on Clearwater Beach Boulevard I found him, dude. we did the backstroke all the way to shore, brother <laughs> I backstroked him with one oh. Excuse me I... <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. as we've jumped the shark here uh, um, On Pritchard's podcast He claims that you know, as far as he knew, Hogan had a jet skiing accident and he felt like Randy was all about business and Randy wouldn't do anything to jeopardize the show. Even though he had an incredible amount of heat with Hogan and they had their issues, he would he, Randy was all business and he wouldn't do such a thing. Um, who knows what really happened, but um, that will lead me to my story later on this later on this on this recording when it comes to Hogan and Savage. Yeah. But um yeah, that's that's the urban legend that that Savage punched Hogan because he found out that Hogan was harboring Miss Elizabeth and her new boyfriend. Mm. And uh you know. But yeah, Hogan they busted eye and then he cuts the promo and says that you know uh he was um he was attacked, you know, leaving the gym. Um, and, you know, kind of alluding to DiBiase and IRS being the ones behind that yeah. with all their resources financially to get that done. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this match, 1827, it's, uh, oh my God. it's a long one. It was that long? Yeah. Wow. It was a lot of sleeper holds, a lot of chin locks. Uh, we get a double pin at the end with Hulk Hogan and Brutai pinning both the guys. Hebner counts to three. We get a fake-out tag team victory. 
Referee Danny fucking Davis comes down and reverses the decision. Suspended for life plus 10 years. Remember that? Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and don't forget Jimmy Hart had the referee reversal um, blazer that he, he used to count. I'm sorry, Hebner didn't count. Jimmy Hart counted. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just Hogan stuff here. Hogan must pose type moments. And uh, I don't know. It was okay. I, wa- I yeah, mean, I wasn't, they, I wasn't they, about it as a kid. I don't think either. I was like, what? This is a little odd for him to be tag team champion. And what, I mean, yeah, uh, that, yeah, I was right there with you there. I, I'm right there with you. I, that was, I mean, even though, you know, looking back on it now, that was a selling point. Yeah. Hogan wrestling for the tag team title. And hey, that's, kid, that's, not, like, that's not bad for they could have kept him around for the next year or two with that. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? You know, what kind of uh, what kind of response that would have gotten had he stayed around and they put the belts on him and Brutus. But, um, you know, back then as a kid, it was just like I always associate Hulk Hogan with the WWF championship. I didn't associate Hulk Hogan and a tag team. And the one thing that I hate more than anything, and I'll still hate it to this day, is the fact that Hulk Hogan had Jimmy Hart as a manager yeah. and as a baby face. Yep. I was like. I'm sorry. Jimmy Hart is like the quintessential little pipsqueak of a manager in professional wrestling history, managed all the, the evil bad guys throughout the years in the WWF. And then they put him with Hogan. Like I just, I get they had a real friendship and you know, Jimmy Hart carries Hogan's bags still to this day, but um, I just wasn't buying it. Wasn't buying it. Like Hogan didn't need a manager. Agreed. He didn't need one for so many years before that. Why all of a sudden he's going to have Jimmy Hart. Like I just didn't, wasn't buying it. Yeah, and then at the end they try to give Jimmy a little more face rub as he throws Danny Davis out of the ring. Um, so, yeah, the fans kind of celebrate. We do a little <laughs> strut. Brutus is like, "Do the walk like that," and then uh, they, they pose <laughs> off and you know, weird stuff. And then they throw the money out in the crowd. Yes, yes, indeed. How could I forget that? As Todd Pattengill is interviewing, was it Natalie Cole? Yes. Yeah. She's like, it's real money. It was real money. <laughs> like, she totally broke kayfabe there. Like, <laughs> I mean, like. Yeah, yeah. She's like, it was no, real just... money. I can't believe you guys paid for that. Um, <laughs> Natalie Cole. And then who's this schmuck that he talks to with the with the hair? Do you know? Was he in a suit? Yeah. Don. He was some executive. Uh, Caesars. Yeah. yeah, he was some executive for Caesars. Don Reichardt's. Um, yeah, he was he was an executive for Caesars, and he was talking about um, you know the impact WrestleMania had on um, you know uh, Caesars and the, the casino and the, the foot traffic in the area, um, and they started promoting some of his other places too in the Poconos and and and, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. other other areas and um, yeah, it was a quick you know like here let's talk to the guy that helped us bring it together. Um, you know, give him some FaceTime on TV, plug his plug his place, and that was the end of that. So yeah. then we get a flash to Mean Gene in a toga, who we've seen throughout the evening, but it's just rare to see Mean Gene in a toga. Uh, interviewing one Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, before his match with the narcissist Lex Luger. Yeah, Kurt Henning even had a hard time pronouncing his name. Yep. Um, 
what do you call him? The Larcissist yep. or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the narcissist Larks Luger. He goes, I can't, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to do it, Gene. Like, and he, like, he got so like flustered with his words. Like, he couldn't even finish the promo <laughs> and he left. I thought that was kind of funny. I found that kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so coming out first is the narcissist with some ladies here. I remember having this on VHS and I would pause it when the ladies came in because you could see what they had for lunch. Anyhow, uh, Narcissus is coming out. Wow. He's posing. He is posing here. It's This is interesting for... Um, I, I, did, I wasn't against it as a kid. I kind of liked this badass character. He was better as a heel suited for WWF. Lex Luger, that is. Yeah. Um, I was... like I, We've talked about this before. Um, when it comes to Luger and his, uh, you know, his made in the USA kind of run, um, I had a hard time buying it because he did such a good job as a, as a bad guy during his time in WCW as a member of the Horsemen. And then this as the narcissist. Um, yeah, so it was, it wasn't bad. I, I honestly, I don't know why they, 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 well, I, I shouldn't say, I don't know why they, they, they turned him into a good guy because we all know yeah. why they they did that. But I was I was okay like like you. I was kind of digging the 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 character and with you know kind of you know Heenan's approval. Yeah, just let it grow. Um, unfortunately, it wouldn't get there. He had his mirrors out there and little spooters on top of the mirrors. That was pretty cute. Um, and then we get Mister Henning, uh, Mister Perfect, Kurt Henning coming out. Man. Uh, prime right here. I thought he was at least, you know, prime over for a face during this run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, you know, he got a, he got a big pop, um, when he came out. Interesting story about this match. Um, Lex Luger, I, I think it was Luger in a shoot interview once told the story that, um, uh, during this match and during house show loops, Henning used to rib Luger and he would rip the tassels off of his yep. his knee his boots or his tights to like piss him off. Yeah, so just to kind of see what kind of a reaction we get. Luger would no like sell it, none. but Luger yeah. deep down be Yeah. Luger deep down would be pissed, but he wouldn't sell it to, to, to perfect. I found that story kind of funny. But um the match was okay. Um they were you know what I felt took away from the match is the fact that they were selling Luger's forearm and what Luger did at the WrestleMania brunch the day before to Bret Hart instead of focusing on the the the, the task at hand with Perfect and Lex. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and to go to your note, they tie up here in the match, and uh, Mr. Perfect does pull off a tassel, and the referee has to throw a tassel out of the ring. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I have to go back and watch that again. That's fine. Yeah, this is not a bad match. And this is one that uh, if you're a wrestling uh, fan at the time, you're kind of pumped for. It's Lex Luger against Kurt Henning. Um, hadn't been seen before. This is their first encounter, I believe, on TV. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think you are correct. I think this was the first encounter between the two. Yeah, we had, uh, and, and you're we right. had Lex Definitely coming in as... If you're a long-time I'm fan. I'm sorry? 
No, you're definitely pumped if you're a longtime fan seeing two, you know, big names like Luger and Perfect. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a dream match, but I would say it was definitely an anticipated match, something that fans were interested in seeing. Yep, yep, definitely. Um, Lex Luger gets the victory here. What would you think of this one? I, I didn't think it was a bad match. Um, it's no, like I said, the the match wasn't. The match wasn't bad, but I think what took away from it is that they focused more on Luger with his forearm knocking out Bret Hart at the brunch the day before than focusing on the story that Luger and Perfect were trying to tell in the ring. I think that's what that's what took away from the match. Right. Was they kept I mean maybe they maybe that was their way of trying to sell Luger's, you know, bionic forearm um, to set up the spot for later. With him imperfect, but they just sold like it was. They talked too much about the Luger's deadly forearm shot to Bret Hart, mm-hmm. and it took away from like at least as a fan for me when I watched it back recently, it took away from the the match with uh, with him imperfect. No, I I agree, but it goes to show that they were booking ahead and kind of they had a plan in mind to say. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. But yeah, you're right. It was. Um... It was it was taking away from the match, um, and just yeah, uh, it it didn't give it its all, basically. But these yeah. guys did a did a good job here. Um, I'm not shitting on the match at all. Um, definitely enjoyed no, it. No, no, and neither am I in the sense from the from the, the 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 physical aspect between the two guys. I'm not. I think maybe the way that the commentate maybe the commentating I should probably say was the was the 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 downfall of this match. Yeah. There was a few moments at the end where they kind of like you could see they were kind of struggling what to go to next and that was always a thing with Lex, I mm. think. Um or f- either forgetting yeah, transitioning. Yeah, transitioning. Um but yeah, uh we get the I'm sorry. How does this one end? Um Luger knocks him out. Yeah. Yeah, Luger knocks him out and gets the victory. Uh, I believe the referee was distracted. And, or I think there was a ref bump, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's what, like like I said, they were talking about him with the bionic forearm. It, I guess it kind of built to this moment where he knocked Perfect out um, to the point where. Um, okay, so what happens is they, they were, have a backslide. And then the the referee thinks it's a three, and it's not. And then Luger hits uh, Kurt Henning as he's looking away in the back of the head, pins him one, two, three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, I see, I had a feeling. I wasn't going to comment, but I had a feeling there was some sort of wrestling hold or wrestling move that was involved in that. Um, Yeah, so what was interesting about that was that, um, you know, the post-match – Luger leaves, Perfect kind of powders out. But then they go to Savage and Heenan and JR at the table, and they're having this heated argument over the the finish. And Savage gets up, and he, like, gets in Bobby Heenan's face, and the crowd, like, explodes, which I was like – but it didn't lead to anything. So I don't know if it was just, like – the, the director told them, all right, let's cut to the, the guys, talk about this. And then Savage kind of goes into business for himself. And, you know, I don't know what it was, but I mean, and it certainly didn't look like it was going to lead to anything. But I just thought it was rather interesting that, like, 
that got a bigger pop than some of the stuff that they did in that match. Yeah, because everybody was wanted the to Savage, see Savage. Savage standing up. Yep. Yeah, to see Savage kill Bobby Heenan for having a different opinion. Um, and then we cut to Shawn Michaels in the back with Lex Luger as Mr. Perfect's walking by. and um, Mr. Perfect jumps then Lex Michaels. and then Michaels sidekicks uh, Perfect and then hits him in the head with the trash can that's loaded with cardboard. It does not give at all. This looks Oh, yeah, brutal. that's right, yeah. Yeah. He caught him right on the top of the yeah. bean. Yep. Um, so then that's building the feud of Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels, who would eventually have a match at SummerSlam. Good stuff there? Mm, maybe. We'll see. Yep. Yeah, we'll... <laughs> we'll find out. Um, yeah. All right. So moving on with the card. Hmm. The Undertaker with Paul Bear going against Giant Gonzalez. This is... The Undertaker's first loss. Well, it's a disqualification victory. But at me as a kid, I was I always thought I don't know. It just seemed like he lost because they chloroformed him, you know, took him out here. This was a terrible match. Um Yeah. if anyone says this is a good match, you your your privileges of being a wrestling fan should be revoked immediately. Okay, this one um, or the rest in peace match that would follow at SummerSlam? Oh, that match fucking sucked too. Don't let's yeah. No, you if you liked all right, listen. If you liked either one of those matches or both of those matches combined, then you need to delete yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because because holy cow. Like the only thing impressive about that was the height. I mean, don't get me wrong. The giant Gonzalez he's an impressive looking man at that at that with his height. Not so much the airbrush suit with the mangina, but um, <laughs> and then Undertaker with his entrance with like the the hawk or the crow. Yes, I thought that was kind of cool. But the rest of the match, yeah. Next, yeah, there was only one good spot with the test of strength where um, they're up on the ropes and Undertaker is just on the second ropes and he's just a little bit taller than Giant Gonzalez and it's back and forth choking, um, just. That's the only good spot there. It was like that test of strength, and it was kind of like working to uh, the strength of the Undertaker. And then he walks the ropes with Giant Gonzalez. Big spot there. But yeah, yeah. gets chloroformed. It's fucking, fucking brutal. Yeah. Ugh. Gets chloroformed, and uh, this is Giant Gonzalez's post WCW run, correct? Yeah. Um,. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. It was. I mean, yeah, it was his post WCW run, but I mean, they they tried to make it, it was, into the beast, it, and yeah. Uh, I think they were trying to replace Andre the Giant in many ways. Oh yeah. Um, so much so that, um, not actually. I think we've kind of talked about this. Hogan worked a series of house show matches over in Europe against Giant Gonzalez. Yep. Um, after he had already lost the title to Yokozuna on TV, he fulfilled some commitments and obligations for the WWF. And, uh, you know, he worked with Gonzalez. Um, I don't know of any reports of any of those matches being any good, but, um, yeah, for whatever reason, it just did not work out with Giant Gonzalez. As a kid, I thought he was impressive looking, but that was about it. Yeah, agreed. Um, Did they ever make a toy of him? Do you have a, a Hasbro or Jax of him? They, I do have a Hasbro of him that I just got recently. As a matter of fact, I got it like a while, uh, 
about like six months ago. Hmm. Um, and he is um, a little bit taller than the, some of the other regular-sized Hasbros that I have in my collection. But um, they made a toy of him for Hasbro, and then when Jax did the... Um, Remember when Jax used to do those Legend series for the action figures? Yes. Okay, they had. There's, there's. I think there's one of him there, mm. um, as well. Um, but yeah, so I have a giant Gonzalez. Yeah, glad you brought that up. Yeah, I have a giant Gonzalez toy in my case right now. He's sitting in between Razor Ramon and Scott Steiner. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, just not the best one here for the Undertaker streak. Um, <clears throat> getting chloroformed after too kind of takes a lot out of the the crowd and uh then we get the the main event that was supposed to hype everybody up and it just really didn't it's yokozuna with mr fuji defeating bret hart for the wwf world heavyweight championship in 855 um feel like the fans kind of got the energy sucked out after the undertaker spot and this kind of suffered from it um, what, what do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they were still into it, but um, not as into it because, you know, like you said, the energy was kind of taken out of the crowd from that Undertaker Giant Gonzalez match. Um, well, I found funny during watching this match, um, you know, they did the typical, you know, Brett being the smaller, sympathetic figure and Yokozuna being the monster. Yokozuna just kind of really putting the work on him. Um, at one point, I want to say, I think there was like a headlock spot where like Yoko had Brett in a headlock and they're chanting USA. Mm -hmm. And Bobby Heenan's like, he goes, these idiots don't even know that one's from Canada and the other one's from Japan. Neither of them are from the United right, States. Right. And, um, but I mean, the match wasn't, the match wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. Um, but it was a solid story of like a big man, little man. I, to be quite honest with you. I may be going out on a limb and saying this, but this match is almost almost as good as the match they had at WrestleMania 10 a year I later. Agree. I agree. And that match was shorter. I think they go hand in hand. Um, I watched yeah. these both. I like them back-to-back -back yeah. type. It tells a good story. Um, and it's great that yeah. they held them off for so long. Yeah, for a whole year. Yeah, yeah. think of that. Um yeah, you can't do that. And now. it was a great story arc for Brett. Like, I, I'm upset about the Hogan stuff in some way, but but then you know it tells a great story for Retribution the next year. Well, yeah should let's, should we should we get into let's that? Let's jump to should, the end here. Should we dive into it? So, uh, what happens is Mr. Fuji throws salt in the eye of Brett Hart as. Well, no, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Before you do that, okay. you know, Hulk Hogan, well, let's set the scene oh, yes, here a little I'm bit, sorry. okay? Bret, Bret Hart loses, and the crowd's going nuts, and Hulk Hogan comes out to attend to Bret, and he's telling the referee that Mr. Fuji threw the salt in the eyes, and then he goes to tend to Bret on the outside, and Mr. Fuji goes, Hogan, you're yellow belly. Come on, I am my Yokozuna. He is your challenge. You accept. We put the WWF title on the line right now. Come on, you <laughs> yellow belly. And Hogan accepts with Bret Hart's blessing. Bret Hart's blind, mind you, but Bret Hart gave him his right. blessing. 
and Hogan went in there. Now, here's an interesting fact, and I just found this out recently. The bell never rang. For which one? If, did you notice that? For Hogan and Yoko. Oh. The bell never rang to start that match. Wow. So Hogan accepted the challenge. He happened. That, yeah, if you want to go by the rules, that match was never official. Wow. Even though the referee made the count at the end, the bell never rang. Mm. Go back and watch it. Interesting stuff. Um, I, I really liked the end of the Brett stuff here because Yoko hits his head on the exposed turnbuckle and Brett struggles to get him in that sharpshooter and the fans are behind him. This was going to be a big victory, but then we get the salt in the eye, like you said. And then, oh, I like that spot. And then yeah. Hogan comes out and Hogan must pose. Uh, he wins with a big boot and a leg drop, brother. And uh, um, 22 seconds, correct? Yeah. Um, as a kid, I didn't watch this live. Uh, I went to school the next day, and my friend told me that Hulk Hogan was the w, became WWF champion. I was like, he wasn't wrestling for the title. And he explained to me what happened, and I was like, I got to get that replay. And my parents were like, nope. And then I had to wait for it to come out at the video store um, to watch it myself. And it was... It was it, as a kid. It was it was cool to see. It brought that surprise element to the um, to to the show. Um, I don't have a problem with the finish if there was some kind of payoff? decent payoff. Yeah, not the cameraman um, payoff that Vince kind of slid no. in there last minute. Yeah, like honestly, I would love to have seen. Hogan and Brett in 93. Man, SummerSlam 93, uh, Hogan and Brett. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Now, here's that story I wanted to tell you. Um, if you go to Twitter, uh, the Kicking Out of Two handle, at Kicking Out Two, you might have to scroll down through 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 the tweets, but um, I, I want to say this a while back, maybe a month or so ago, two months ago maybe, um, I posted a video that I retweeted, and it's um, footage of Hogan celebrating the title win after WrestleMania went off the air, mm. and Jimmy Hart and Brutus come in the ring, and they hug, and they high-five, and then Hogan calls Vince into the ring, because Vince must have been out in the ringside area, and him and Vince embrace, and they have this big hug, and they're laughing and smiling, and Vince raises Hogan's hand with the title, and who's standing there on the ring apron in his show of support? Macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> He's clapping, and then he high-fives Hogan, and Hogan kind of gives him a thumbs up. And this was during that period of time where both guys had heat with each other, and there was some personal stuff going on. So that leads me to believe that I really don't think Randy Savage punched Hulk Hogan in the face the night before WrestleMania like that urban legend has told us over mm. the years. Why, Honestly, why would you punch someone in the face, ruin the chances of the show that you're yeah, going to be participating on? And, yeah, hurting one of the biggest getting stars. Getting fired. Yeah. But then you're going to get on the ring apron and clap him and high-five him and kind of embrace. Like, it wasn't... like I think they shook hands and... and, um, and uh, like did like a little high five or whatever mm -hmm. and like they acknowledged each other but um 
Yeah, Savage was Savage was a part of that post match celebration. You can find that video um, on on Twitter at Kicking Out Two K I C K N O U T and the number two. You find out. You figure it out for yourself. Yeah. But yeah, that's that was the story I wanted to tell you regarding Hogan and Savage. Interesting stuff. I, I just found that interesting, and I I love little hidden gems like oh, that. Yeah. Um, things that I didn't know about. Like if, if, here's another one. If you go on Kicking Out of Two's Twitter. You'll find another retweet of another hidden gem. Um, the opening for WrestleMania one huh. uh, was the music behind that was Phil Collins. Easy, Easy lover. lover. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that until I just saw this video on Twitter and I had to retweet it. But um, nonetheless, overall, um, I get why people don't like the Hogan finish, but um, it brought that surprise element factor, and if there was a payoff down the line for it, I would have been, I, I would have been really okay with it. I'm okay with it now, yeah. and I really don't have an issue with it. But if there was a serious payoff, then maybe it would have made more sense. Yeah, there was the salt in the eye from Mr. Fuji that was supposed to go to Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan ducks. It gets hit to Yokozuna. He clotheslines him and big boots him with a cross on, by the way, and rips his shirt off after. So he he had planned it like he didn't intend on wrestling at all um and that eye looks nasty um so yeah it looks more than like more when someone punches you you get you get like bruised underneath the eye more um i think this is above so uh yeah but um as a kid I, i i was disappointed with the brett stuff but then i I kind of came into this late, I believe. So I watched nine and 10 around the same time. So they had already been released. I had came back into it around like 10 or 11 watching the cassettes. So, um, okay. I was like, Ooh, I get, I get the whole story. And then finding the ones in between was kind of cool too. Um, yep. So, yeah. Um, I will say, I, I, sorry to interrupt. I will say, um, as big of a Hogan guy as I was, I did have sympathy Me for too. Brett. That Brett that Brett was cheated out of the title and that <clears throat> from that point forward all the way till WrestleMania 10, Brett's story arc I thought was one of the best comeback stories in wrestling history. Oh, it still is um, one of those. from losing the title. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So, you know, he loses the title at WrestleMania nine. Then he wins the King of the Ring, but you know, he gets embarrassed after winning that and, and has to go through all the humiliating instances with Jerry Lawler for the remainder of nineteen ninety three. Then he's got the issues with his brother Owen in late ninety three, going into ninety four. Wins the Royal Rumble with Lex Luger in a tie. Goes to WrestleMania. He's got to fight his brother. Losing to his brother the same night he eventually wins the title from Yokozuna, the guy who he lost to a year prior. Uh, a truly a, 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 a very fitting roller coaster um, existence for Bret Hart in the WWF at that time. And I just, I, I felt... Like I said, I felt compassion for him as a ki- as a character as a kid, and I wanted to see him win at WrestleMania 10. Oh yeah, and I almost, in many ways, forgot about Hogan winning the title following that because I was so invested in Brett. And maybe that's because Hogan left not too long after that. But yeah, um, it was this was the beginning of a of a really good comeback story for Brett in the next year. Definitely, definitely was, um, and not a bad WrestleMania in my opinion. <laughs> 
No, I still think WrestleMania two is the worst WrestleMania okay, of all yeah, time. Not WrestleMania one and two are like yeah. Ugh, I hardly watch those anymore. Yeah, um, I watch one for the main event. That's all I watch yeah, it for. Yeah. Yep. Well, Dave, uh, we did our due diligence on WrestleMania nine. I feel like we uh, we we carried it home for the team and uh, delivered for the fans. Yeah, I, we, we, we do our best, and, uh, you know, I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, if, if you guys feel that WrestleMania 9 is the worst WrestleMania of all time, then hit us up on the on the social media, on uh, Retromania, on Facebook, um, as well as on Twitter, at RetromaniaPod, and you tell us why you feel WrestleMania 9 is the worst WrestleMania. Or if you agree with us, then tell us why you liked WrestleMania 9 so much. Hit us up on social yeah. media as we continue with this launch of the Retromania program. Wrestling Podcast Network here for WrestleMania. Yes, weekend. indeed. And the only way to make this new network grow is to like, listen, or like, rate, review, and share. Please like, rate, review, and share, and subscribe. Um, everything that you guys do on your end will help us grow, and then more content for your ears. Um, so, yeah, another great episode that we knocked out of the park April 4th, 1993. Uh, marked out that day. Um, so everybody get ready for WrestleMania weekend. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. Hope you guys enjoy all the content that we have. You can always find us on Facebook at Retromania with a W. You can write to us, like Dave said, personally, Retromania podcast at gmail.com, or you can write to us on Twitter at Retromania pod with a W. Um, Dave, plug away and then we'll get out of here. Um, yeah, so if you guys want the full schedule of what's to come for the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, you can find it over on Facebook. Um, like I said, we have this show, Wrestle, uh, Defending WrestleMania 9, a special edition of Mark Out of the Days, April the 5th. Tomorrow, which will be Friday, if you're listening, on Thursday, today, you will get the WrestleMania Top 10 Countdowns between me and Kobe. Uh, April 6th to Saturday, you will get Gaijin Wrestling Radio with Kobe and AC from the Cooldown covering NXT TakeOver New York and previewing the G1 Supercard from Madison Square Garden. WrestleMania Sunday, Kobe and I are going to recap the Hall of Fame as well as preview some of the matches, not all, but some of the matches from WrestleMania 35. And there will be a special watch party courtesy of my show kicking out it to Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker from WrestleMania 25. So have your WWE Networks ready and fired up so you can watch that with the sound off and indulge in our alternate commentary. And yeah, that about does it when it comes to the schedule we got we got some fun shows planned for you guys make sure you hit us up over on podbean where you can find each and every archived show from the retromania pro wrestling podcast network and all the new shows dropping this weekend for wrestlemania weekend yes indeed all right happy wrestling everybody